Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my... I, I have magical school classmates still, because I actually didn't change the intro thing, and I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, how about... Um, uh, your gentleman and scholar. Oh, okay, that Brown works. Brown. You know what? Yeah? We're gonna, good? yeah, yeah, I think so. I was going to go with, um, uh, just, you know, based off of our, our first little topic here. Um, you know, my friend with the giant heart, maybe. Possibly. No, maybe. No, I don't know. You do have a big heart, though. I try. I do. Yeah. I mean, the doctors say that, uh, you know, all I need to do is grinch it up and it'll shrink down a couple sizes to the right size. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I'll be OK. So. <laughs> anyways you, hi. Could, you couldn't bear to do that no i know no. the whole the, this whole intro has been completely butchered hey how are you doing this evening doing great ryan how are you <laughs> oh man you know what let's uh, just let's just move forward past this awkwardness oh my gosh okay uh we've actually got some super fun stuff to talk about uh today and uh we're gonna be talking about halflings mm-hmm for one of our topics, which is super fun, uh, a really, really fun D&D race. But before we do that, we're going to test out a new segment I'm calling Monster Fixer. And so this is something that, especially if you all like it, uh, something we'll try and do every once in a while, because I feel like there is a great need for this with a solid chunk of... 5e's beastery monsters and whatnot uh essentially what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at fifth edition monsters and going is there a way we could make them more interesting because as it turns out there's a lot of really vanilla very what's the, we'll like just say boring, boring. yeah boring the yeah. basic there's a lot basic. of really basic yeah there's a lot of really basic boring <laughs> 5e monsters that could have a lot more flavor and we feel like a lot of the onus is on the dm to spice them up mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who aren't comfortable doing that may not uh have have the ideas to do that or they may not have the time to do that and so when they want to go and grab something it's uh like it's just there there's just not much to it and the players are either going to get like a range attack thrown at them or a melee attack thrown yeah, at them. pretty much um you and know, most likely they won't have a reaction they won't have a bonus action like it's, it's just very basic yeah. And I mean, we've kind of talked about this a little bit before when we've gone over some of the different dragons, how uh, like basically just right out of the gate, we give our dragons magical abilities, you know, certain spells that they can cast just because, you know, it, it makes more sense. They're a very magical creature. Um, plus, it gives them more to do than just uh, bite, claw, claw. And, you know, then a legendary action of a, of a wing buffet and uh, like attack. a tail attack. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, the idea of having creatures that are more than just okay i'm gonna do my multi-attack that's my turn cool yeah i mean cool 
Now, I will say that I am totally guilty of doing this sometimes because, you know, I, there are times where I can't think on the fly or branch out or do really neat creative Time, things. creativity. Or, yeah. 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 But being able to kind of look at a situation and, and really kind of pick it apart is something that, you know, can make the DM's job a lot more fun and it gives you more things to do. I mean, gosh, if you're a level 10 character, uh, you've got 80 things to choose from on your turn. If you're a level 10, you know, monster, you might have two. And yeah, you know, unless you're like a super boss. <laughs> yeah, monster exactly. Or something like that. Yeah, they because a lot of the boss level ones and and I say I say a lot. Some of the boss level ones, like because we just you just talked about dragons. Mm-hmm. They're very basic. Yeah. Really, they're very basic. Like there, there are some boss level ones that do have, you know, several things that they can do. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, the boss level ones will have one or two extra things, like a legend, a legendary action, maybe one or two extra things in there. Yeah, some resistance. And one of those things is going to be like movement, or yeah, or resistances, or just another melee attack, or just another ranged attack, or whatever. And so, I don't know, there's there's a lot that need help. And that is what we're going to attempt to do on Monster Fixer. And this week, we are going to start with giants. Some of the giants. Because some, some of the giants. We're going to take the, the most generic of giants uh, and kind of dive in a little bit and see if we can uh, spice them up. Just yeah. a bit. Uh, so we're going to go over the hill giant, frost giant, fire giant, and then fire giant dreadnought. So these are probably some of the most common giant types that your players would encounter in a game. There are other giant types. Uh, there's like, you know, storm giants and cloud giants and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Some of those giants actually have some spell casting. Um, or a few unique things that they can do. Uh, so we're, we're not really going to, to dive into those tonight. Uh, but man, I, I remember I was, I was pulling uh, the stabs up earlier and I just looked and it's like hill giant, multi-attack or throw rock, frost giant, multi-attack or throw rock, fire giant, <laughs> multi-attack or throw rock, fire giant, dreadnought, Multi-attack, shield charge. Oh, oh. Throw rock. Variety. (laughs) Yeah, we got one extra, one extra thing you can do. Um, Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's rough. Like, I was just like, man, that's, because you don't, you don't realize it until you sit down and look at it. It's like, that is boring. That is boring as all get out. Exactly. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're, we're looking at these as well is because these are ones that you're going to probably run into first. You know, when you go, uh, start talking about like storm giants or cloud giants, you know, they're going to be in, you know, very different types of situations. They have a higher CR, if I remember correctly. Um, and it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, OK, you know, let, let's let's look at these basics and kind of flavor them a little bit more with some of the stuff that we can can come up with. Um now, we both took a look at it, and I mean, if you want to talk about flavoring, the Hill Giant doesn't have a lot to begin with, and 
if you kind of go and, and read into their entry in the monster manual, there's not really a whole like super duper ton that you can add to it as well. But, you know, we both kind of have uh, a couple things that I think we can add and, uh, you know, have some fun with. Like one of the big calls of, of a hill giant is, is that they're pretty stupid. Um, you know, they're 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 bullies like they'll go and, you know, start attacking and eating like a, a farmer's sheep and they'll just eat them all. And then they'll just move on to the next thing that's living, like the goats that are there. And then they'll just move forward with that. I mean, there, there, there's really not a whole lot to it. There's no real big logic behind it. Um, but yeah, they just, you know, if, if you're big, then you're obviously strong. And that means that you just, you know, you, you're the best. Yeah. So we kind of wanted to to go with that a little bit. So looking at the, the base stats. So this is CR5. So this is a type of giant, probably one of the first types of giants your party might encounter. As their base stats, they've got a lot of hit points, low armor class. They don't usually have armor. They're fairly easy to hit. They can either make two great club attacks or throw a rock. Yep. That's that's it. Um so and we'll kinda we'll kind of just round robin this a little bit. Uh but I was kind of thinking, what could be more interesting? What could make this more of a threat? So they do a decent amount of damage on their rock throw mm-hmm. and on their, their multi-attack. Because we're, we're talking 3d8 plus 5 on the, the great club hits. And then 3d10 plus 5 on the rock throw. So this is, and again, this is a challenge level 5. So... If you go by the CR math, this should a single one of these should be a challenge for a party of four level five characters. Um, And it it very much could be they like especially lower HP. If you roll fairly high, you could do some damage, but they're going to get two attacks off and then they're just going to get swarmed. Exactly. By six, seven, eight attacks before they even get to go again. They've only got 105 hit points. Like they might last two rounds, like a, a single one. Uh, so it's like, what can we do to make this interesting? So I thought, hmm, it's got it's got a single attack. How could this potentially be more threatening to like the whole party? And so I was like, a stomp attack could be kind of interesting. Yeah, like a something small AOE. Where, yeah, a small AOE. So I was thinking something like. Uh, you take your foot, smash it into the ground, uh, 10 foot radius and do something like, you know, uh, 3d6, like, uh, just kind of going off of like the great club does 3d8. It's a, it's a single target. The rock does 3d10. It's a single target. Okay. We're probably going to be hitting more things. We're probably going to be dishing more damage out. Maybe we do 3d6 bludgeoning damage in a 10 foot radius around us. So now the giant has a way to deal with like a bunch of melee ganging up on it. Yeah. Add on top of that too. You can throw in a, uh, like a, a deck saving throw and maybe if they don't pass it, they, they fall prone because of the, just the, the sheer impact of the, the shock. The wave, that yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that. totally. Make it a little, make it a little more unique. Yeah. Add the, add the dice roll in there. There's a ton of secondary effects. Mm-hmm. that you can do to make make things like this more interesting and that's totally one where you basically just took 
Now it's got an AOE damage attack. And oh, now there's a, a dexterity component into it. So maybe they could take just half damage or maybe they could not fall prone or something like that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I just immediately thought of is big, dumb brute. Uh, my mind goes to the Hulk. And now, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you're familiar with the character of the Hulk in Marvel Comics or in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, big, I am. Big green guy, really buff, not that smart. Uh, well, he goes up against another character named Loki, who is also, uh, you know, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who is, uh, you know, very intelligent, not super buff or anything like that. But the fight between the two of them lasts for all of three seconds. And I just thought the idea of, you know, I'm this big giant thing. What's stopping me from trying to pick up an NPC or a, a not, not an NPC? Well, maybe an NPC if they're along, but like a player character and just using them as a weapon or just bashing them on the ground. I mean, if you think about it, you're you're a tiny little thing compared to this giant. So what other ways can they possibly like, you know, use that size to their advantage? And no idea on any sort of like uh, damage rolls or anything like that. But I figure if you're being picked up and like, let's say you're a cleric in full plate armor and you get swung into a sorcerer, that's going to hurt. That's going to be, you know, potentially damage on more than one character. Um, but even more so, it adds so much more flair to just, I'm just a big guy swinging my club. And, you know, I think it could be it could be kind of fun and definitely surprising. You yeah, and I, that. honestly, we we really thought along the same lines because you you've got that swing, and I I had like a a grab and throw that you could basically <laughs> try and do in two actions, right? Mm-hmm. So you, he has multi attack. So with this with this grab and throw, you could do a contested strength check. To try and grab someone uh, as one of your one of your two attacks, and so that way, if it fails, you still have another attack that you can use to not make your turn completely useless. But if you do win and you grab the person, then you can throw them, most likely <laughs> at someone. So basically, you just take your to hit of the rock, but instead it's a party member <laughs> and you <laughs> aim it at another party member. And then that party member gets a dexterity saving throw for either half damage or potentially no damage to get out of the way. Uh, and if they fail, not only does the person who get thrown take bludgeoning damage when they hit the ground, the person they hit also takes bludgeoning damage. Yeah. Or if you choose not to try to do the saving throw, you can maybe try to catch your your uh, other character and maybe do half damage on both or something like that. You know, like you're, 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 you're basically trying to stop them from hitting the ground entirely. Like I'm just picturing, you know, a dragonborn catching a halfling like that'd be way easier than a halfling catching a dragonborn. But, you know, there is the whole idea of stopping them from just, you know, hitting and bouncing and skidding along. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Different fun things like that. I mean. Uh, last thing that I have too is again, big giant thing. What's it gonna do? It 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 has a hungry appetite. It's just gonna pick you up and bite you. I mean, why not? I don't see any reason why something that's not too bright 
that is definitely all for just, you know, uh, consuming things and and doing what it will. What's going to stop it from like fighting dirty and just biting something? Could it could it consume them? Possibly. If they were one, say, one size smaller yeah, than I, it? I would think that that would definitely be a possibility. Ooh. Or at least just get them in the mouth until, you know, they, they might need to chew a whole bunch before they can, you know, swallow the character or something. But yeah. Yeah. you're in the mouth. You're taking 2d6 chewing damage. I don't know. <laughs> Smashing. Yeah. <laughs> Smashing damage. Chewing damage. Yeah, bludgeoning. <laughs> <laughs> bludgeoning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bludgeoning damage every every round until you <laughs> pull yourself out of its mouth or you cause enough damage to make it spit you out yeah but all these things that we're talking about will leave will make for much better not only more interactive things for you the dm mm-hmm. and more interactive things for the players it will make for better stories yeah like definitely. your players will remember the hill giant that picked one of them up and threw one of them at another person or that grabbed one of them and started eating them more so than the hill giant that just goes and hits or throws rocks. Exactly. So that's hill giant. So few ideas. Um, Let's move on to frost giants. I love that we both have one of the same things. (laughs) This was, this was so silly. Like, they're frost giants. There is no cold damage. Yeah. Anywhere in the statue. No sense. Like no cold damage. Not a single bit of cold damage. Anywhere in this sheet. Like, why is it called a frost giant? If it, it's not gonna it just do lives cold in the damage. No, that's all. Like it's a hill giant. Like at the no very way. at the very least, at the very least to add some flavor or add a little little extra. Their great axe attacks do half like 1d12 of that 3d12 is frost damage. Yeah, why not? I like that the rock idea. they pick up and freeze with their insanely cold hands. Mm-hmm. It does 1d10 of that 4d10 of cold damage. Yeah, why not? Have the- boom, right off the bat. Yeah, have them just punch and then have bludgeoning mixed with cold damage you know just, just the touch i mean one of the neat things is that all the stuff that we said for the hill giants it could be added on top of the frost giants as well so you want to pick someone up and throw them hey you pick them up and you win that grapple add some cold damage on top of that because you're getting that full effect from the frost giant after you're thrown yeah you don't take cold damage anymore but that initial hit totally makes sense and it works heck Maybe the frost giant is exuding a cold aura where if you are in melee with it, you are just taking 1d6 cold damage around because it is so cold mm-hmm. to be near. Like this is like this is a, a creature that exudes this this cold aura. And so even being within five feet or ten feet of it, just as you take some cold damage. And then what what's the one that we both did, Ben? <laughs> I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it totally does. Um, you know, having some sort of frost or ice breath. You know, just like yeah. a, a, a either a straight or a conal attack of just, hey, 
I'm a big giant frost thing. I have a huge lung capacity. And, you know, just blow something out and give them a, a, a nice little blanket of some cold air. Uh, make it as magical or as icy as you want. You know, it, it, again, it just adds that little Maybe bit of Maybe throw flavor. a recharge on it. Yeah. Well, what's even better, too, is, you know, if you've got a couple melee people, you know, this will have them start thinking of positioning so that they're not standing right next to each other. Um, you know, so that they're in the same cone of, of uh, frost breath. You know, after you unleash one of those tactics change instantly, uh, unless there's a second one standing right next to it and you're inside a force cube or something, then you have problems. <laughs> For no reason. No, no. Yeah, not everything's fine. Um, but go go listen to plus five hit. But uh, it, it's one of those things where, again, it's just it adds that much more flavor to it. And it totally fits because, hey, big, icy, cold thing. Yeah, yeah. And if like like we were saying earlier, if you're worried about it being too much, throw a recharge on it, mm-hmm. a recharge of six or a recharge of five or six. And exactly. then you it only comes out every once in a while. But your players are just like, oh, no, I thought it was just going to hit me. Like this is this is a big deal. Um, one thing I, I was thinking about, uh, just for a little more, like, crowd control or like, like crowd control effects, replace one of the two multi attacks with flash freeze, Ooh. where the giant reaches down and touches someone, and they have to make a con save. If they do not make a con save. They are restrained just from sheer cold or basically being frozen. And they need to make a con save at the end of each of their next turns to try and shake it off. I'm going to build off of that and go with uh, uh, a spit. They spit at your feet to, to freeze you in place. Yeah. Give it range. Heck, turn it into to don't leave those Don't leave those casters out of it. Turn, yeah. Turn it into Sub-Zero completely. And I think you've got a lot of different things that you can have fun with on that. I I like the idea of, of the flash freeze. I think that's neat. Getting out of that, like having crowd control. And especially, again, you're going to have one big thing with a lot of characters teaming up on it at the same time. So giving them more control of the battlefield really works out well. Um, now looking at it again, digging into the monster manual side of things, um, these are definitely smarter than the hill giants. Um, and something that I kind of, uh, that, that, you know, sung out to me is that they really go based off of might, you know, brute strength, things like that. That's kind of how they rule. And, you know, if you don't want to have just a straight up fight, you can have them, uh, you know, your players maybe. Uh, challenge them to some sort of a feat of strength. Maybe they can, you know, defeat the giant and something like that, as opposed to just straight out combat. Um, personally, I really like the combat ideas that we came up with, so I'd really prefer to do that. But again, remember <laughs> that these aren't just, you know, mindless creatures. They think they have a society. I mean, heck, they're swinging great axes around, which means that they have people who create giant great axes. You know, they, they have, clans they have different things like uh, it even says in the monster manual that when one group of frost giants runs into another one they wrestle to see who's more dominant you know which one's stronger and then that's just how it goes in the hierarchy so 
kind of inserting uh you know characters into that maybe getting into the hierarchy of some sort you know is a good way to kind of maybe get giant allies in the future or you know totally bend them or do something to uh you know get your way past them yeah totally dig into dig into the lore a little bit make it make a uh, greater stakes and not just another fight mm-hmm. exactly for sure but yeah so that's frost giants let's jump into fire giants which again <laughs> there is no fire damage anywhere <laughs> in this stat sheet it, like none like it's two great sword attacks or a rock. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, bonus action, light your sword on fire. You are now doing 66 plus seven, and then maybe, you know, an extra 1d6 or 2d6 of fire damage. Or if you're scared that that's too much damage, bonus action, light your sword on fire. You're now doing 4d6 slashing damage and 2d6 fire damage plus seven. Not Boom, bad. right off the bat. Light the rock on fire mm-hmm. as it's thrown. Then you get some fire damage. And then maybe you actually make that a little cooler. Light the rock on fire with a bonus action. Throw it. It hits. It explodes and actually does half the damage in a 10 or 15 foot radius around where it hits. Mm-hmm. Like exploding shrapnel fire rock damage (laughs) like there's just that's like that and that's literally just adding fire damage yeah like a superheated rock is something that's going to be brittle so you know when it hits the ground on impact having shards fly out or uh you know having the the maybe the center kind of molten or something giving off of heat and damage um you can play that with into the battlefield as well making those like hot spots from that point on um you know lots of different things that you can do with that um, I know that we have more on, on actual actions, but something that I wanted to add in that I think is actually interesting is, again, I dug into the monster manual on it. And one of the big things that they talk about is the, how they're martial experts. So like very uh, from when they're very young, like their parents, you know, chant songs of battle. They, you know, are great at, at different fighting styles and everything. So, you know what, instead of just I swing my greatsword give them an agility build of some sort, you know, give the, the, the giant, um, you know, a parry or a dodge reaction so that they can actually, you know, have that, that martial prowess show in battle. You know, if you think about it, yeah, they're a large thing, but they can still move around. They can still obviously use weapons. So being able to block something kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that makes them makes them a little more interesting, too. Um, I know that uh, I did run fire giants for one of my groups oh, yeah? one time. And there are multiple fire giants. Uh, the flaming sword thing was actually something I used with them. Uh, but one other really cool thing you can do is something I call molten eruption. And this is something that you could potentially have on a recharge. Like if you, if you ever... Th- think of something or add something that you think is really cool, but you think might be pretty strong, throw it on a recharge, mm-hmm. right? Or make it a one, a one-time use type thing. It's because remember 
on average, combat's going to last three rounds. Yeah. That's it. So it may not be like just even having a one-time use thing can make a big difference because it's something different in the three-ish rounds of combat that you're actually going to be going. So in this case, Molten Eruption was like a 10-foot radius, like small eruption on the ground, which made the terrain difficult and did some bludgeoning damage. And with a bonus action, the fire giant could then activate it to blow it up and leave a fire lava pool where it was so that any character on it got, you know, a chunk of fire damage mm -hmm. done to them. And then that basically becomes impassable terrain without either flying over it or walking over it or, and taking, taking damage. And so that allows you to then change the battlefield or even set a trap where this is just difficult terrain until I activate it with a bonus action or more interestingly, even with a reaction mm -hmm. yeah. and boom, you've triggered my trap card and, <laughs> and <laughs> that spot I put down or maybe multiple spots that I put down, I can now trigger one of those when someone walks over. Yeah, no, I like that. That's actually really neat. Um, the idea of, you know, prepping the battlefield beforehand or something totally makes sense. And again, as we're, we're digging deeper and deeper into these giants, they're becoming more and more intelligent as well. So the fact that fire giants are, are warlords, that they have martial exper experience and everything, it makes sense that they... It, especially if they're knowing that they're going into battle with something, having it prepared ahead of time completely makes sense. And that is pretty darn cool. I like that. I'm, I'm definitely going to remember that one. Yeah. And so, and then we move on to the fire giants, larger cousin, the fire giant dreadnought. These are wicked. This is the first I've heard They're, of them. So they look incredible. Like go look just like go to Google, type in Fire Giant Dreadnought. They look awesome. They are fire giants decked out in full black plate armor with these two huge shields with spikes on them. Mm -hmm. Like they are super cool. They've got a super high AC. They're the highest uh, challenge rating of any of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight. They're CR 14. So they're 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 quite strong. Uh, they actually do fire damage baseline. What? I know. Wild, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so they have they have uh, they have a multi attack where they make two fire shield attacks, which do bludgeoning damage plus fire damage plus piercing damage. So there's decent bit of damage rolled up in there, uh, but there's actually a little bit of fire damage. And then their other thing that they, they drop one of the shields and throw a rock i mean it's just it's a giant <laughs> thing i guess they just like throw rocks uh but the the other thing that actually it makes them a little more unique is they have a shield charge where they can move up to 30 feet in a straight line uh through uh the space of any creature smaller than huge and the first time 
it enters the creature's space, it makes a fire shield attack against the creature. And if it hits, the creature has to make a, a strength save or be pushed ahead of the giant for the rest of the move. And if they say, and I, I love this, this mechanic. It's not used enough, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If they fail to save by five or more, it is also knocked and takes extra bludgeoning damage. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, gosh, a, a, a cow pusher on a train, it's definitely going to do some damage to a cow if it gets in the way. Yeah, so I like I, I that's another cool mechanic uh, that you see every once in a while. The 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 save by five uh, type thing, which I, I kind of really like that mm-hmm. mechanic as yeah. a just as a thing, because there's like uh, bad or worse <laughs> <laughs> or you could e- even take that and flip it around and the succeed by five or more and you have good or better. Yeah, it just adds a little extra variety and instead of just straight pass or fail, which exactly. is kind of cool. Um, so there's this one. This one's a little more interesting than than the previous ones. And I it's it ought to be. It's a CR 14. At this point, we need a little bit more than just <laughs> the the basic stuff. But it's just got shield charge. So so, Ben, what would you do to to spice this this guy up a little bit? Well, I would or actually now, because there's there's probably some really mean fire giant dreadnought. Oh yeah, gals too. Definitely. Um, now, something that I think would be actually be interesting. Um, did you ever read any of the, uh, the 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 Drist books? I have read a few. Okay, I don't know if you ever got to the point where they introduced a dwarf named uh, Thibbledorf Puent. Probably I did not. Okay, so he is a battle rager. Uh, basically he's a dwarf who has, who he just wears armor. He is not carrying a weapon at all. The idea is that the armor is just spikes just all over him and he'll just like run into a group and then like shake around and move and stuff and just does massive amounts of damage. So the idea that I had with this is add spikes and stuff to the shield charge when he runs through, you know, and say people get out of the way or something, they might still get caught in the extra bits and jagged edges and stuff of the armor that's going on. So, you know, here you might have your succeed by five or more and you don't take any damage. Um, you know, just the idea of, of this imposing figure in massive black armor, but then having it just being horrifically scary with spikes and razor edges and stuff just coming off of it just kind of caught my imagination. So I first and foremost, I would make it scarier in that sense. Oh, that's I like it. I like it because like you said, there's spikes everywhere, even just in the, the character art. Oh, yeah. For it. So, no, that's that's a that's a really good idea. Um one of the interesting things I was thinking about, because it, it actually has this dual shields where the giant carries the two shields and they're accounted for in the giant's AC. I assume it's probably like two AC a shield. Probably. Or like that. I don't think so. Um, and it actually says you have to drop one of the shields to throw a rock. <laughs> so so you could do the same like fire rock thing if you wanted to as we talked about in the the original fire giant thing um but there is some interesting play in there because they have a 21 ac that's pretty high um so one of the things you could potentially do is 
let's talk about that crowd control again, right? Mm-hmm. I take one of the shields and I throw it or drop it on one of the players. Not only, and they have to make a strength save. A huge or strength save. Maybe a, gigantic. a deck save, or you give them the option. Mm-hmm. Um, the deck save to get out of the way of it, or the strength save to stop it. And then you've got a little bit more play depending on the type of character you are, which is always good to give you know more options. But if they fail, they take some bludgeoning damage. Or some piercing damage, depending on which direction the uh, <laughs> the shield is facing. Uh, <laughs> and they are pinned. They're restrained. And so that's... And then the Fire Giant Dreadnought is down to AC. So it now restrained and damaged one of your party, but it also weakened itself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, an interesting, interesting play, too. Exactly. In fact, the other thing I wrote down exactly the same thing, drop a shield onto a player. And my idea behind that was um, even more so like if, if they are stuck under the shield, I mean, if it's the spiky side, you're kind of stuck there and you need someone to help you actually get out. So that could potentially take two characters off the board for a round. Mm, that's good. Having having someone to that might need to help. Yeah. yeah, help break them out. I mean, seriously, like take a look at the art for these fire dread, fire giant dreadnoughts. Those shields are not something you want to be messing with. But yeah, I mean, yeah, no, this this official art is like on D and Beyond is just like terrifying. Oh yeah, very. When much you so. especially when you realize they're like you know sixteen, eighteen, twenty feet tall. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely terrifying. Um. One of the one other thought I had that could be interesting, and this probably is not as big of a deal if you're not playing on a grid, but if you are playing on a grid and have more uh, tactical options for movement and stuff like that, one thing that would be interesting to do is adding either a uh, lava trail or a mm-hmm. fire trail to the shield charge. Where the lava coming off the shields or generated by the fire giant itself or fire coming off the shields generated by the fire giant itself is left in a big old line from where they charged. Now, all of a sudden, you have terrain blocking created. You have this like 10 foot wide chunk of fire or lava that makes this area either really sucky (laughs) to go through (laughs) or impassable and you have to go around. And so maybe you could use it to cut off party members from each other. Uh, So yeah, there's there's a lot because you've got 30 feet with that shield charge. So there's a lot of really, really interesting things you could do more so again to the gridded side of things. Uh, if you wanted to add in some some train ma- manipulation. Exactly. And I mean, here's the thing too: cutting someone off really limits, you know, some healing opportunities. I mean, if you have a cleric and you're working with, you know, healing word and cure wounds, the difference between which spell is used could be life and death. And if you're not able to go touch them for the cure wounds, there's potential for just a, a, a knockout right there. Um, and I love the idea of 
really kind of controlling the board this way, you know, starting in one section, splitting everything off. You know, if you're running this with just a regular fire giant as well, you can just separate the room out and then just start picking things off on both sides of this, this lava trail. Um, one thing that I do want to make sure that I really do point out is that lava damage is far greater than fire damage. So mm-hmm. make sure you know which one you want to have. Yes. Yes. Same for the molten eruption. Yes. As well. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's significant and it's different. So <laughs> yeah, make sure, make sure that you, you know, which, which type you're using. Um, but yeah, like this, again, if you go through this we're and you say it's a fight against one dreadnought and one regular fire giant, you add in all the stuff we talked about and you went from two big things hitting four times and being done or throwing two rocks and being done to traps on the battlefield, the battlefield changing, extra elements of damage type added possible explosive aoe possible you know uh traps that can explode like the whole battlefield is now much more dynamic uh, and much more interesting not only for the dm but for the players as well because it will cause them to need to think tactically much more than all right send the barbarian and or the fighter up to stand next to him while the casters and stuff shoot in the back. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one other thing that being said as well, Hey, guess what? Giants have some pretty good movement. So if they do just, you know, are, are standing up against uh, some fighters, barbarians or whatever, and there are casters in the back, they can probably take a hit from an opportunity attack and run away and just wipe out a caster right away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Ben was saying, the more you move up stat wise intelligence goes up frost giants are smarter than hill giants mm-hmm. fire giants are smarter than frost giants there's going to be some tactics and as a dm just kind of think about that there's going to be a lot less tactical thinking from a hill giant than a fire giant exactly so keep that in mind the fire giant's going to know who's sending you know uh icy touch or whatever at it's from behind as opposed to just the dude who's standing in front of it and you know swinging a, a great sword every now and then yeah and the hill giant is basically just going i want to eat you i want to smash you and then eat eat you yep add that bite i'm telling you friends it's the, add the bite it. that's right that's right <laughs> uh so yeah that's that's our first monster fixture segment that was that was giants. Um, if you have uh, if you liked it, let us know. If you have ideas on other monsters that you'd like us to fix, or other groups of monsters you'd like us to fix, let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or an email. Ben will give all the information for that uh, at the end of the show as usual. Uh, and we'd love to hear feedback on what types of D and D enemies that you're running that are a little lacking um, and could use some flavor. And we will definitely at some point in the, in the future be talking about dragons. So that's, that's already on the list uh, beyond just spells. Yes. Because spells, spells can make anything 
more interesting. Uh, but it's it's sometimes better to have specific custom made stuff for them. That is, this it, only this thing can do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's that's more interesting. Um, especially it's especially more interesting to have those. I think because remember we're working with plus or minus a three round combat for the most part. So it's, I think it's usually far more interesting to either have a very limited spell pool or very customized specific attacks for that character. So you don't have to look up a bunch of spells. Exactly. And there's also a reason why we didn't give spells to the hill giants. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And not everything (laughs) really works with spells. But uh, yeah, I will say, you know, Ryan, that's quite big of you to, uh, you know, come up with this idea to uh, add to our little repertoire. So good job. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, And that's a great segue. To go small. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. That was was really bad. That was really cheesy. I'm Eh, sorry. It's it's fine. You know, do you you want to give it a, a second attempt? Uh, second introduction. Uh, hey everyone, we're going to be talking about the halfling race Woo! now. Uh, they're they're much shorter than giants. <laughs> Some on average. might say uh, more than <laughs> half, even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take take a few minutes here and and talk a little bit about the halfling race because we we haven't t- uh, touched on them yet, and they've got some really fun lore, uh, really interesting. Uh, racial traits and abilities so ben why don't you why don't you kick it off yeah well i mean first of all uh if you've ever seen lord of the rings or the hobbit a halfling is essentially a hobbit but we can't say that because of uh you know being sued by the the tolkien estate and stuff like that so they're halflings but uh they share a lot of the same like characteristics and stuff that you would see in hobbits in those movies you know they're usually very cheerful they're usually good-natured um, they really like, you know, being able to be there for people, helping them out. Like, you know, if you ever see a halfling around and you're in need of help, chances are they're probably going to try to help you out because they're Thank just you, Mr. Philbo. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're just that nice. Um, but I mean, the big thing is, is like they, they work hard and they enjoy the comforts of life. That's one of the biggest things that you're going to see is that, you know, they're there. They're doing what they do and then just happy to take a break and maybe enjoy a second breakfast or two, you know, fun stuff like that. Uh, I am a big fan of halflings. I don't think I've ever actually played one, though. So I need to change that as soon as I can, because they're pretty cool. Um, one of the neat things about them, too, is that uh, because they are very big fans of like their comforts and their, you know, uh, their homes and families. Uh, generally those that go out adventuring for the most part, they do it for their families or for some sort of reason, um, as opposed to just, you know, having that sort of like wanderlust that, uh, some of the other races do have. So yeah, they're kind, curious, they get along with pretty much everybody and, uh, you know, really quick problem solvers just like to kind of get in, get out, get things taken care of and, uh, you know, enjoy a nice smoke afterwards. Yeah, and they're uh, they're one of the uh, 
somewhat longer lived races mm-hmm. as well. Like they, they roughly have two, two and a half times the lifespan of a human. So that's, that can sometimes play interestingly into characters and how you deal with stuff because mm-hmm. we as people are dealing with things via our lifespan. It's just, it's so it's interesting kind of getting into the mindset. Like elves are, you know, just a whole, yeah. whole other story. They're just weird. But, but for halflings, like what would you do or what would your mindset be if you live roughly double what, what you most likely will live right now? Like, would you take things slower would you try and learn more? Would you be more thoughtful about things? Um, so it, it's it, certainly an interesting role play uh, aspect if you think about it. You know, I'll tell you, my Steam library might actually be finished if I had all that time. Probably not, though. Probably not. No. no. There, no. There's some, some challenges that Hercules himself couldn't accomplish. Uh, so one of the neatest things about halflings that you really need to remember, like this is probably one of the most important things that you can, can, uh, uh, have is the fact that halflings are lucky. In fact, they have a very unique feature. That's when you roll a one for an attack roll, ability check, or a saving throw, you can re-roll that die. You have to take the new role, but I mean, there's a very good chance that it's going to be better than one regardless. So um, like natural ones might never happen for you because you're just that lucky. If you decide not to re-roll and, you know, want to see what sort of chaos can ensue, you know, I always recommend that now and then too, because that's always a lot of fun, but it's one or of the if you just things. forget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's one of those things that as a halfling is really great to have and, and have advantage of. Now, if you wanted to go ahead and say at level four, take the lucky feat as well. Well, you're just going to be insanely powerful and your DM will hate you. Uh, not really. But <laughs> I mean, I got to say that as a starting ability for a race, that lucky feature is so amazing. Like so much so that sometimes I wonder why there aren't more halflings running around because I really don't think I've seen a ton of people playing them. I could be wrong. No, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting. I do have a a halfling in one of my campaigns right now, and she has definitely used the lucky uh, (laughs) trait multiple times to uh avoid ones that to much to her advantage um and so that's yes that's that's a huge huge racial trait uh but the other really cool one is brave and this gives you advantage on saving throws against being frightened so they're just halflings are really hard to scare that's pretty good right there yeah i mean if you think about it, uh, frightened is a, a condition that a lot of monsters have, uh, especially a lot of yeah. the bigger ones. So, you know, like uh, dragons, you know, we tend to talk about them in this Dungeons and Dragons show. Uh, I mean, yeah, one of the first things is the frightful presence, just throwing that out there right away. I mean, if you have advantage on that saving throw mixed with lucky, there's a good chance that you're going to be doing just fine when you come face to face with the dragon. Oh, that's such oh, a good. Totally ability. love that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, one thing you do need to be aware of um, 
So like, especially since Tasha's the, the ability score modifier really doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And most people usually just end up doing um, the pick your own type yeah. stuff, which is what I prefer, honestly. Uh, one interesting thing though, to note about halflings though, is their base walking speed is only 25 feet, which is five feet less than most of the other, I guess, taller, larger races. Yeah. Makes sense though, because they are tiny, so they have itty bitty legs. Um, and if I remember correctly, yeah, their size is uh, a small size. So who knows? A giant could pick them up and maybe stick them in their mouth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's something to definitely keep in mind. Um, now that can play out in a whole bunch of different ways too. You know, there could be, say, a Goliath or a, a Dragonborn or something who will pick up your tiny little character and, and carry him around and do different things. Uh, you know, it, Something that I find, too, is that a lot of people don't really play into the size and weights of their characters for certain things. And, I mean, that could change things drastically on on different things that could potentially happen. You do all sorts of shenanigans. Oh, yeah. With that type of stuff, especially if you have a a DM that's, like, really creative or really, really rewards that type of that that type of uh, creativity in play. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I mean, gosh, just the fastball special is just the the bare minimum of something that you can do with a small character. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's a bunch of different types of subclasses. Uh, one of them is creepy and I love it. It's the ghost wise halfling. The neat thing that they get to do is that uh, they can speak telepathically with any creature within 30 feet as long as you speak the same language. That is is just super handy and a great way to screw with people yeah yeah that's that's i i honestly uh have always glossed over that it's pretty good um there's also the lightfoot halfling these are the ones that i think are actually really great because they're naturally stealthy and they can hide behind creatures that are one size larger than them so which most likely will be at least one person in your party. Yeah, unless you're you're only with dwarves and gnomes and uh, the small rabbit folk. Uh, there's a very good chance that someone's going to be large enough that you can just hide behind them. And if you're a, a rogue, there you go. You might get advantage on some shots because of that if you're hiding behind the tall people. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, it, that would just work so well with a rogue. Mm-hmm. Like that's just such a good combination. It's just like almost instant uh, being able to for sneak attacks. Yeah, just like run into a crowd and almost give me. You're just gone. Yeah, melt in. Yeah, or oh no, no one's next to the creature. Uh, DM, I hide behind the paladin (laughs) real fast. Cool. Stealth check. Awesome. Sneak attack. Yeah. Just pop out, throw a dagger, shoot an arrow uh run if you're within 25 feet i mean there's a bunch of different stuff that you can do i love that that's a lot that's a lot of fun um let's see there's a couple other ones that are very specific to gosh what is it I, it's ever yeah um yeah, that have to do mark, with like certain the marks yeah. yeah uh so there's like the mark of healing mark of hospitality um i mean you can pull those into whatever world you're going with just because you know we're dms we can do what we want to um but they give you, uh, you know, specific spells that are automatically kind of ingrained with you. Um, and then there's the stout halfling, which, um, you know, if, if you go with the ability score increase, they have a plus one to constitution. But 
Here's the thing is that they actually have an advantage on saving throws against poison and resistance to poison damage, just hands down. So they're like kind of mini dwarfs. Which there's a lot of poison damage. Yes. So not only are you really good. Yeah. Not only do you have advantage on saving throws against poison, you have saving throws against being frightened. And if you roll a one, you get to roll it again. Halflings. Why, why don't I play more halflings? <laughs> I know, right? Like you, when you, when you say it all together, like <laughs> like that, that's just like why am I not playing more halflings? That sounds really cool. Yeah, I think the next character you I make, make another is halfling, halfling character. Yeah, I'm yeah, totally doing that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like the the next the our next plus five interlude, where where we where we branch off from our from our rhyme campaign. I'm making a halfling. Me too. Yeah, just halflings all around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're the half pints. Just running around. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we could be brothers. Yeah. Or cousins. Oh, even better. That's like that's how that's how uh that's how they normally do it, right? I think so. It's, it's like you have like ten bajillion cousins. Yeah. Exactly. Oh he's a light foot. Oh, I'm a light foot. <laughs> Yeah, so you're from my my mother's uh, aunt's grandmother's sister's uh, son's brother's uh, cousin's third niece's side. Yep, and that's totally normal. <laughs> All in just one totally giant normal. community. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah. I'll just start. Well, I'll start planning halfling characters. Oh, definitely. We good. But yeah, I mean, they're fun. They're they're little characters. I, I I don't know why I always have an affinity to just like smaller races. I just think they're fun just because they're so like out of place compared to like the giant dragon that's looking down on them. It's just like it's you a just different add, perspective. Yeah. You, you add that that extra layer of of just like, you know, size and perspective and everything. And I just I like them. I yeah. Need to play more. So Yeah. Check out check out halflings if you're looking to make a new character. Check those out. Uh, they're pretty cool. There's a lot of great uh, traits and there's a lot of great roleplay potential for them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, definitely consider that for your next one. Uh, all right. So community shout out this week. So this is one um, that I have uh, backed before and checked out before. This is the. Uh, Epic Legacy Heroes Handbook by 2C Gaming. And this is really cool. This is actually a remaster of a book that they did several years back where they're taking uh, a lot of the stuff they've done from some of their uh, newer books, a lot of the lessons learned, uh, and kind of remastering it, adding content, revising content, adding new art, that type of thing. So Epic Legacy is... 2C Gaming's system for bringing 5E from level 21 to 30. Whoa. And epic levels is is what they call it. And so this book, um, with all the revised stuff, will actually have... um, It basically has prestige classes, the the epic classes for each of the main classes from from normal D&D, as well as they're adding in subclass stuff for like all the recently released books that Wizards has done. And so uh, this basically is the framework for 
if you want to bringing <laughs> your campaign from level 20 to level 30. And it's it's super cool because it adds in all sorts of new interesting things to bring your class up into those uh those epic tiers. Not just that, it gives you uh story hooks, it gives you epic, you know, enemies and monsters and situations, spells, uh just all sorts of stuff uh to bring your campaign literally <laughs> to the next the next level. Um and so uh I've I've they've got uh three books in this series right now. They have the original Epic Legacy handbook. They've got their uh their uh codex, like their Epic Legacy campaign codex, mm-hmm. which uh is basically a lot of story hooks and items and such for a high level campaign if you want to use their setting and then they just did one recently called Tome of Titans that has very high CR or the epic versions of those creatures that you can use against these high level players or uh, epic level players if you switch to this. And so this is just kind of a continuation, a little bit of a rebuild, a redo, adding a bunch of stuff. So if that sounds interesting and you, you're like, I want to take my campaign to the next level, to the to the planes, to, you know, the the abyss, to the hells, to the the very deities themselves. This is a system that lets you do it. Very cool. I mean, just kind of going through the the Kickstarter and everything, there's a lot of really neat stuff here. Um, and this is by uh, uh, 2C Gaming, which uh, we just had Celeste Konovich on. And mm-hmm. I mean, she knows what she's doing. You heard her on the show. So just, you know, imagine going through a, a, a 20 to 30 level campaign with some of this cool stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot here to look at and it's really interesting. It, I will say running a level 30 encounter, it sounds mind blowingly difficult and weird to me, but it sounds like what, a full session. Yeah, just like lots of <laughs> lots of stuff that you could do lots of stuff that could happen and this is like all the stuff the the monster can do all the stuff the players can do with these new epic spells and all epic abilities and such yeah these ones will probably last a little bit longer than three rounds give or take yeah probably (laughs) engineered engineered that way exactly (laughs) but if that sounds interesting uh we will have the link to that Kickstarter. It is going on right now. It actually just started a few days ago. They are already funded. They're working on their stretch goals right now. Um, oh, for they've more been funded, items funded and, three times over. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's going, going strong. Yeah. And the, the one really cool thing, and I kind of hope they hit it. If they hit their, their $125,000 stretch goal, they will actually stream a campaign. Oh, nice. With the system, which I would, love to see i would love to see that i think there is a distinct lack of high level games and stream games especially definitely high level so uh that would be something super cool to show off super cool to see um but yeah we'll have it in our show notes if that sounds interesting check it out yeah very cool all right. Well, as always, before we go, uh, we usually check in a little bit with what's going on with our campaigns. So, Ben, what have you been up to? We got to play. Yay. 
I know that that's I a great start. Yeah, great I start. Haven't been able to really say that in the last couple episodes or so, but um, so the the they they got through the Everwilds. They pulled into trade more, and we had a lot of fun shopping. <laughs> Um, it's one of those things where I knew that I, I needed a little bit of a break, um, as well as, uh, needed to kind of, you know, work more on plotting and, and threading things together for arc two, as well as really creating, you know, this, this town or, well, I should say city cause it's definitely city sized. Um, and I am really happy with a lot of the stuff I've come up with. And, you know, as the DM does, uh, I just came up with, uh, uh, two new side quests that I'm going to throw in there like the last day or two. So I'm, I'm really excited about some of that stuff that I'm going to be doing. Um, so we're getting there, but I will say that I finally got to uh, work on some of the really neat stuff that they kind of came up with because beforehand I asked them for shopping lists for things that their characters might want, you know, just as a you know, the big thing about trade more is that if it's not sold in trade more, it doesn't exist. That's the the slogan that I've been throwing at them this whole time. So I'm like, tell me what you want. I'll figure out where it is. If it is a thing that doesn't exist, I'll create it. If it's a thing that'll exist, price things out. And I uh, got shopping lists from everybody and I was able to come up with a whole bunch of different shops. I'm super excited. Um, in fact, this is actually where one of my players comes from. Uh, he's currently not uh, able to join us in the campaign right now, but I know where he is. Um, I know where his the business that his ex-wife is running, uh, which is great, which they, they found that out in a fun way. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a little tavern slash inn slash brothel called the Humble Gentleman because um, she totally used the money that she got from the divorce to open that up. So amazing. Happy amazing. about that. Um I got to introduce my my favorite new NPC that I made, which uh, so here's the thing. If I have someone who owns and runs a magic shop, they're going to be eccentric because magic. Um, so this one, the buried scroll, um, it actually has two locations. So there's the uh, in trade more. There, there's three different shopping areas. There's the, the low market, mid market, and then high market. Um, low market is like. You know, just think like uh, necessities, you know, like foods, stuff like that, Um, you know, very kind of cheap materials. Mid-market is kind of where things start becoming more expensive, like nicer clothes, uh, fabrics. uh, And then uh, the Buried Scroll has a a, uh, like a kiosk there that has, you know, some of the stuff that they're trying to get rid of from the high market store, you know. So discounted things or, you know, like everyday magic items that, you know, like, you know, normal folk might have. Well, so they, they're walking through and there's this dog sitting in, you know, in this uh, uh, stall, there's a sign on the table that says be back in five minutes. And so the party's kind of looking at some of the magic stuff that's on the table. You know, there's like, there's a case full of rings and, you know, just, just different things. And there's someone who's been there and who basically said like, I've been waiting here for like 20 minutes. And so he grabbed something and just started walking away. And my player's like, wait, did he just take something? And then all of a sudden, the dog barks and then the dude just freezes in place. And uh, then the dog yells guards and, you know, some guards who are kind of laying in wait came. Uh, apparently there was a sting operation because this guy's been stealing from a whole bunch of different booths and stuff. And the the character who runs the booth, it just happens to be an awakened German shepherd named Herman. So 
Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. The best part is, is he's just sitting there and my paladin walks up and does the whole like, oh, hey, hey, doggy. And, you know, sniffs the hand and, and, and uh, you know, pets him and everything. Not knowing that it's this totally sentient creature who's just trying to be a dog. And absolutely loved it. Um, they were blown away because, you know, it was a bit of a surprise. And uh, yeah, so I have a, a new favorite NPC that I absolutely love, who's great. And uh, they did a whole bunch of shopping. Um, people didn't really buy a bunch because they gave me these long lists of different things and they're kind of going around town looking for stuff. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited to get back in uh, this weekend. Uh, we're going to finish up some shopping and then uh, see if they stumble upon any side quests that I have coming up. Because they literally have a dragon sword worth of treasure. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they have a lot. But here's the thing. Trademore, it's not exactly the nicest place. So, you know, it's one of the cities that's really run on the backs of the lower class. And because it has everything and is this trade, you know, metropolis kind of area, um, stuff's really expensive, too. So, you know, hoping for wheeling and dealing. Um, you know, if there's something that they really want that's saying, super expensive, they can, you know, maybe do favors for the shop owner to, to, to lower prices and stuff. So, uh, okay. Are you saying trade more is suffering from late stage capitalism? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> like I, I've got this, oh, uh, that inflation. I tell you, <laughs> I have this whole like slums area. That's like as big as the rest of the city. And it's just lined with all these tall trees around it so that, you know, the, the influential and wealthy people don't see it at all. So it's just, you know, out of, out of mind, they don't care. Uh, like the highfalutin area has its own, like, you know, gigantic walls and like, you know, guard gate and stuff. Uh, the castle split off from everything. It's yeah. I, I'm actually really happy with the design that I came up with for the city. What does it, what does it sound like? Your party's going to find this out and want to stick up for the little guy and then burn the city to the ground. Um, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know how they're going to play it out, but it is going to be the, the center <laughs> of a uh, an actual uh, trade summit that's happening in about a month. That was the whole point. They they Ooh. escorted uh, a, a bunch of different uh, representatives from the Sage Coast where the, the adventure started up through the Everwilds and uh, to the city for for this trade summit that's going to happen with uh, the, the the cleric's father his kind of a strange father is going to be coming from the elven nation. Uh, we've got another human nation and a nation of dwarves who were previously at war with each other who are coming. And I mean, it's uh it's going to be an interesting situation. That sounds super cool. It's exciting. I'm excited to hear about it. Oh, me it'll be, too. It'll be a lot of fun. It's uh, well, let's put it this way. I hope what I have in mind does the players justice. Cause they're very smart. They're very quick to figuring things out as well as, you know, pushing the story forward in very fun and unique ways for all of us. So like what I kind of have an idea of what's going to happen or what I'm hoping will happen is probably way off and they're going to turn it into something even greater than it is. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, that sounds, that sounds super cool. I'm very, I'm very excited to hear, hear what you got, got coming from that group. Well, thank you. I, I'm especially going to enjoy it if uh, one of these side quests pops up sooner rather than later. So we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit offline. And of course, once we actually get to it. 
Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, what about you? What have you been uh, able to kind of uh, pull together and play? So my stuff. Um, so last time I talked a little bit about my first campaign ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm actually currently working on getting my uh, replacement campaign for that setup. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh, I've got some, it's going to take place in my same custom homebrew world. Okay. Makes uh, it easier. I've got the players, players all lined up. Um, and so I'm, it, I'm, I'm deep in like that creative, just excitement mode of anything is possible mm-hmm. type thing right now, which is super fun. It's going to be taking place on a whole new continent from what my other two campaigns oh, were on. Okay. And so there's going to be that. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work starting to go into that in developing some of the stuff. I've got some general broad ideas of the different, you know, towns and the different areas and the scenarios and whatnot. But I'm, I'm, so I'm planning that right now. We're starting that one in like two ish weeks or so. Um, everyone's getting their characters and their backstory going. We're working on, uh, together on integrating all that stuff into the world. Yeah. And this is a fairly blank slate. So the players have actually been helping create some of the areas that their characters are from. Uh, so they've helped create some towns, uh, a monastic order, just like, uh, several different things on on this one continent which is super cool i love the collaborative storytelling especially in areas that i just don't have fleshed out because my world's a big place i've only fleshed out a few parts of it there's a ton of blank canvas Mm -hmm. um that will over time kind of get filled in so i'm really excited about that group and getting that done we'd had our session zero a few days ago where we kind of went over everything um kind of introduced everybody got the party all solidified in the characters that they were playing. So I think we ended up with a wizard, a monk, a druid, and an artificer. Ooh, that's a good group. Yeah. So it's, it's a actually a pretty well-balanced group for the most part. Uh, and should be, should be really fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to jump in and play with them. So that's, that's, that's been my, uh, like my current focus. Um, my other group did meet as well since we last played and we were able to finish out our air elemental battle on the airship. Yeah. How'd that go? Which is, which is super cool. Uh, it, it actually took longer than I thought because there's just all sorts of stuff going on. They managed to revive the sorcerer who cast levitate on the ranger who was falling and lost Featherfall from the wizard who lost concentration on it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, oh my gosh, it was just a, a full, full on ordeal. And so then the sorcerers started slowly bringing them back out because they can only move them up like 20 feet around yeah. with levitate. And so slowly bringing them back up while trying to, to fight these, these other elementals that are trying to get into the ship. Uh, they managed to take one of them out, but one of them basically lightning the deck, which was already weak from some of the other elementals earlier, 
broke a hole in, and then it and the big one went into the hold to try and start getting at that energy crystal, oh. but not before the ranger got levitated just high enough to hit the big guy with a on round of attacks, which was <laughs> which did did some really decent damage. Um, and so then they kind of followed them all in while the ranger hooked up a arrow to a, a rope that she had fired and hit it on the ship and towed herself back to the ship <laughs> because she's levitating still. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> while this is going on, they ended up knocking out the big guy, but not before the big guy knocked down our fighter barbarian who then rolled a one on his saving throw. Oh, no. No, no, no. He didn't moral one on the same. That was that was earlier. It was it was a multi attack that the the big elemental did. The first hit knocked him down, and then the second hit oh gotcha. got two death two, saves yeah. on him. So everyone was just like, oh no, because <laughs> it <laughs> went from it went from I, it was kind of serious. It was a it was a very intense fight, uh, but it went to even more serious. Uh, and then one of the ele- the other elemental that survived got its hand on their power crystal and started draining it oh. and got supercharged. So did some like supercharged attacks with, uh, with the crystals power. They managed to destroy it, but not before it had drained like half of the remaining power from their power crystal. And so now they're like, Oh no, does it have enough power to get us all the rest of the way to the North? <laughs> to where we're actually supposed to get this thing. Uh, and so, so that, that whole battle was super fun. And then they found out that there was a completely hidden hatch uh, that opened of its own accord and a tiny little robot drone came out and started repairing the damage. Oh, that's nice. On the ship. Everyone, and it, everyone's just like, what is this? What is this thing? This is, <laughs> this is like technology that doesn't exist. And it, what it repaired repaired the the hull just went back into its little slot not like sending it or anything just like a, a built-in uh repair function of the ship that no one knew about you gave it, it the was, citadel keepers that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> the citadel keepers and so they had they had some some good rp they had some heart to hearts uh they're all very tired uh during during a their first long rest. Uh, I've talked a little bit about our Rangers condition that has mm-hmm. been slowly evolving. Uh, she exploded with acid. Oh, while she was sleeping and actually knocked out two people. Oh, like down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a conversation <laughs> that they had after getting those people back up. Uh, That was super interesting. And then uh, we kind of ended the session on them actually flying. uh, They they hit the mountains and one of the tendrils of the endless storm was out across where they're going. So they're going to have to fly through a storm. Yeah, you don't want to risk going around it when you have like half your energy and you don't even know if that's going to be enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. They did an absolutely amazing job with the fight. And the fight was super cool because it was it was a three dimensional fight. Mm-hmm. 
And so there was, there's a lots of really interesting stuff to play with. Uh, there was lots of interesting mechanics. I got to introduce with the way the elementals were and kind of the, they were secondary compared to trying to get into the ship and get this power source that the, the elementals were drawn to in the first place. Yeah. Um, and just all the little things that happened that allowed them to basically survive uh, like the ranger getting just, just in range and the levitate be able to put the damage on the big guy they needed to, to, to down, uh, to down them mm-hmm. and <laughs> only have to deal with one elemental draining out of the crystal instead of two or three uh, or the, the oh, ship man. crashing. Can you imagine if <laughs> it, all of them got down there? Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was, it was super cool. Very, very dynamic fight uh really good feedback from that fight it was and it was a ton of fun to run to and to play so i was i was really happy with with how it all turned out well very cool i'm glad that you uh were able to get together and and really continue on with that one that's awesome yeah i i i love it i love D. &D. it's just so fun it's just so fun i can't Uh, wait for more to happen jeez i know i'm just on the brink I know you've got some you've got some really cool stuff coming. We won't tease it too much though because we'll yeah, we'll be we'll, talking about it. Well, that and my uh, one or two of my players listen, so I really can't say much. Yeah, yeah can't say much. Uh, but anyways, uh, that is it for this episode for us. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you all. And before we go, as always, Ben, why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached? You bet. Um, first off, I'm going to say, hey, guess what? This show is on Twitter. Uh, we post when we have new episodes up and uh, also randomly other fun things. It's also a very good way to kind of get in touch with us if you have just a quick message that you want to tell us or uh, want to share something about your campaign. We'd love to listen and uh, read anything that you send our way. So you can find the show on Twitter at DN Discussions. If you're looking for Ryan specifically, you can find him at TBKZord. And if you're looking for me, you can uh, do at Ben Bumhofer. Now, if you're sitting there, you're like, I don't have a Twitter account. Or what I want to say is 281 characters or more. Uh, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Now, if you're wondering how we feel that we have the the knowledge, the, the basis, and uh, just the the audacity to talk about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, guess what? Uh, you can too. But if you want to hear us actually play and you know think, hey, maybe these guys do know a little bit about what they're talking about, you can listen to us on Plus 5 to Hit. Uh, it is our persistent campaign. Uh, we are taking a summer uh, interlude, uh, playing a Candlekeep Mystery, which has been a ton of fun. Uh, before we get back into our playthrough of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So definitely check that out. Uh, it's a good place to jump on because it is an interlude. Once that's up, we're starting a second arc of Rhyme. So again, another good place to, to uh, jump right in. Now, if this is the first time you've listened to DN Discussions, make sure to uh, check back on all of our other episodes. We have 50 other ones because, wow, this is episode 51. Uh, but everything can be found on your podcast player of choice, uh, especially where you're listening to this episode it'll be there so check us out awesome again thank you so much for listening and as always we will see you next time yep and until then be good to each other and goodbye <laughs>